Are you ready, ladies? Stand tall. Straighten those crowns and show them what you're made of. You're listening to the Farm Queen Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Farm Queen Podcast. This week, we have Jen joining us from Sleet Creek Farm. She has been nominated as somebody who is passionate and dedicated, devoted to her farm, her animals, as well as her customers. We're really looking forward to hearing about her collaborations with farms. And sounds like she's just, you know, as most of our queens have been, one of those farmers that you're just you're glad to have met them and learned from them and all of that good stuff. So Jen, welcome to the show. If you would please take a few minutes to introduce yourself and tell us about uh, your farm and what you raise, what a day in the life looks like, how it all works, etc. Well, I raised mostly um, the biggest thing that started with um, was with the pigs. And um, so I'm Pharaoh to finish. Um, we raise a little bit of beef that we have available. We have a flock of lambs now, and we do, uh, I do some ducks and of course some chicken, but, um, the ducks are fun too. So, and, uh, that was originally the ducks and the chickens were originally my son's project who he's now 26 and it is now my project. Um, he's, he's moved on with his life, but, um, Anyway, I really, um, we really like them. So, um, officially about 12 years that I've been doing this as a full-time, as a job. Anyway, that's pretty much it as far as what I raised. Okay. So now I think, did I see on your website that you've got like grass-fed beef and rose veal and whatnot? Yes. So the rose veal, that was a collaboration that, or it's currently a collaboration with another farmer, a neighbor that's um, got a dairy farm. And during the pandemic, when um, they dump milk and stuff and the auction yards are being closed down, you know, didn't know what they were going to do. Um, I told him, you know, I committed to buy a group. He would raise them, giving them fresh milk. Um, I liked how he raised his um, anyway. And I was hoping a way to for him to make money during this horrible time when who knew when they were going to be able to make money, you know, as they were also pivoting too, um, so that they weren't dumping as much milk and things like that. Um, so he raises them. They're on fresh milk the whole time. They, they're usually born and he starts calving in, um, March. So kind of the, towards the middle to end of March. Um, and so then, they're all on fresh milk. They stay with um, the heifers and they go out on grass. Um, this year will be the first year that he's got a couple that um, were born kind of early for them. And so he let them. Stay. So, yes, he's not getting as much milk production from their moms, but they are getting to stay with there. So I'm really excited to see how those calves turn out. So the deal was he raised them um, up like that and. I am, and then I buy them and then I have them. I take them to the processor 
tell the processor how I want it cut up of how I think people will want to purchase it. Then I per and then they can purchase from me. So I wanted, you know, it was just a terrible time for everybody that all of a sudden there was no market for stuff. And so it was, it turned out to be a beautiful product and, um, and I hope, you know, profitable for him too. That is a beautiful thing to hear. Like, just, Hey, I see you. Let's work together. That's such a cool collaboration. I love that. I love that you're doing that. I -hmm. think that's a great addition to your lineup for your customers. Obviously, I think it's a great partnership between local farms. It's just so neat. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, he was offering the milk for my pigs and I only, even though I have a lot of pigs, I'm like, I, I can't go through all this. And like, can we turn that milk? And instead of you worried about like, you know, usually they would have a sale truck comes and picks up those calves. And I'm like, what? And he agreed too. I'm like, what less stress of like, let's raise them here. They don't ever have to leave this farm that final day. And they're raised well on um, their you know, there's still a stigma about what people think for veal calves, but if you're eating meat, I mean, if you're eating cheese and drinking milk, um, you know, unfortunately there's bull calves that are born in that industry. And if we give them a good life, that's a healthy product afterwards, you know, and it's a delicious. So, um, I'm hoping people will get over that more that I've gotten people to try it. Um, I've not had anybody said, oh yeah, I didn't like it. I'm like, cause it's nothing like commercial veal. This is nice and pink and red. Um, and I just recently finally um, got animals to the processor at the red. I wanted to do a combination, a classic combination of um, the beef and the pork and the veal and had it grounded all mixed together. So it's a, I call it a meatball, meatloaf mix. So um, if any Italian book out there, um, cookbook, um, especially an older one is going to tell you to, you know, put some veal in with it and some pork. And I'm telling you, you will have the, it's the nicest mix. Um, it's just, it has that beefy flavor and it's still tender. So meatballs and stuff are not going to be hard little rocks. I mean, you're really going to have to like overcook them to have that happen. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been a really pop so far. I've gotten really great feedback on it. So I'm hoping, um, so I've just got to try a few other things for, um, for some of the veal to get people to try. It used to be something it wasn't, um, especially over in, um, your European, like in France and stuff, they would have eaten veal there because you have, they did a lot of, they had a lot of dairy over there. So Mm -hmm. you only need so many bull calves. And it's a good source of, um, you know, a, a really good source, especially if you have um, older people who um, it's a tough for them to chew. Um, it's very, very tender and, um, and it's delicious. It's not, I mean, definitely a beef steak, a beef ribeye and a ribeye from a veal, you're going to have different textures because that beef is a little older, it's stronger flavor, and it'll be, have a little more chew to it. Um, from the veal is just a lighter flavor and um, it's really tender and it's delicious. It's really delicious. Sounds it. I'm really glad we're recording this episode after I ate dinner. <laughs> so that I'm not sitting here hungry the whole time. So I oh, do, well. I, I do want to go back 
just a little bit, because mm-hmm. you mentioned um, two things I want to follow up on. Specifically, you mentioned that you have the lambs, right? And mm-hmm. I know they're born and raised on your farm. And so I want to touch on that a little bit. Um, as far as tell us about kind of that process for raising the lambs and, you know, you're, you're not necessarily the only one doing it, but it, it is sometimes common for people to buy in lambs and, you know, from a born on another farm and raise them yep. and, you know, take them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so between that, and then I also heard you, when you mentioned the pork, you said you're a pharaoh to finish. So I want to come back to that too. Yeah. Um, okay. And so it's, it's pretty clear to me that you are very into this process of the animals are born here and they spend every minute of their lives here until they go off to processing. So let's start with the right. lambs um, and tell us like what mm-hmm. breed you raise, how you got into them. We'll kind of go down that road and then we'll come back to the pork. So the reason I have lambs, um, well, and I don't, they're actually the flock belongs to um, my fiance, he's the one, he had a small flock. It has definitely grown since him and I got together. Um, and it's, he's got Dorset crosses and, um, and then just, I think it's two years now on his birthday, I, um, took him to go look at a Texel Ram. So that was like, you know, what a birthday present, right? <laughs> so we've got some Texel in there cause we wanted to get some more meat in there, um, on those carcasses and stuff. And, um, so he's definitely grown it. It was just a little something fun for him. And, and then, um, of course we got together and, and, uh, I told him, I'm like, you know, there's good lamb is hard to find to get there. And, um, so, and it was funny because we, the first time he cooked me dinner, I assumed we were going to have lamb and he just looked at me and he was like, well, no, like just have them. And, you know, I'll, I'll sell them off to other people that do, but he didn't actually butcher. He'd never eaten one he just thought they were fun to have. So I grew up on a sheep farm. My parents had um, 500 head of, um, of ewes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we, yeah, like when it was shearing time, that was, could be a week long. Um, and this was out in California and I swore I would never own sheep. My dad used to tell me, well, one of these days, this is like, I don't want them. I don't want them. <laughs> this is too much you know, and they're not the smartest things and, um, they always need help. But at the end of the day, I mean, little lambs are the cutest thing ever. And so you're always trying, but you know, they're definitely some days you will, um, you, you wonder why you're raising them because they can be <laughs> the brightest things in the world, but luckily they're delicious, you know? So that was kind of our joke when we started dating was that, um, I was like, Oh, I'm like, you have sheep. I'm like, I don't know. I go, I, I, I go, my dad will not gonna let me live this down. I'm like, I always said I was never, <laughs> but I got to New York and I hadn't found anybody. I hadn't met enough people, anybody who was, um, literally my mom like shipped me lamb out here. Cause I went to the grocery store and I was like, okay, I can't eat that. That just didn't even look good. And, um, and we raised, um, in California, we raised large breeds. So we had Columbia's, um, and stuff, Rambolets, things like that. Um, so little, the ones we have, the flock that the lamb is, um, from with the Dorsets are, they're definitely a little smaller, but now with the Texel round, they're getting the size wise of the lambs is getting there. So they're all across. So they're, um, and he's got a few horn Dorsets in there too, which are, um, which are fun. They're definitely different looking. 
So, um, but anyway, so those are, so that I'm, those I, I'm, you know, part of what I go to farmer's markets with, with the lamb and everything, but that's where, um, that's more his project than mine. But, um, you know, obviously I help a little bit with that of like, Hey, I think you should get this kind of a ram. I think you, <laughs> you know, how you should have the lamb cut and, and stuff. So, but it's, um, so that's where we collaborate there. I was going to say, it sounds like you have a very high uh, standard coming into it, but it's like, I think you should do this because that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> and right. guaranteeing well, your own like, supply If of I'm going to sell the lamb, I need it to be a certain size. I need it to be, I need more meat on the bone. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, once you have it, I'm like, it's delicious. So more meat would be good. Right. No, I mean, hey, if you can, if you can make it work, then you can make it yeah. work, right? Right. So, um, yeah, so no, his flock, the flock has come along really, really well. Definitely. than when I first met him, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't know that he's happy about that, but you know, <laughs> you know, it, it's, uh, it's a package deal at this point, right? Mm -hmm. He just has at to this deal point with it. it is. <laughs> you know? So I, I want to, like I said, I want to go back to the pigs too. Um, yeah. And I, I know that's the same kind of concept of they're born and they're, they're raised right there on your farm and they're there till they yep. go to butchering day. And I wanted to specifically touch on, I heard you say Pharaoh to finish. And I know what that means, but since we perhaps have some people that are on the consumer side of farming and they may not understand what that phrase means, can you explain to us what does Pharaoh to finish mean and why is that important on your farm? Well, Farrow to finish means, so I have the sows, which um, they become a sow once they have their first uh, litter of piglets. And so, and I also have um, the boar, which is the daddy pig, so to speak, um, or is the daddy pig. Um, mm -hmm. So here, and then um, they'll have their babies here and I raise them all the way up. Um, in, and the reason how I got started, I mean, because yes, there's a lot of times where it would be so much easier to find somebody who had a litter of piglets for sale and buy those those piglets and mm -hmm. um, raise them and not have to deal with an 812 animal that maybe doesn't feel like it should have to stay where you asked what field, you know, where you put it. Mm -hmm. Like if they can get their head through, the rest of that body comes um, and fencing gets expensive because then they destroy it and because mm -hmm. they were like they went um so sometimes yes I do think that maybe I shouldn't have you know tell them this is why I when they, days like that is where you'll hear me talking to them and telling them this is how your your kind ended up in cement and steel um housing <laughs> because they didn't have to and you don't have to put up with this but anyway, um, economically speaking, you know, when you're putting your pencil to a balance sheet, sometimes it would be, again, um, it's pretty cut and dried if you just went and bought a litter of piglets. But um, you don't know always what you're getting. And so I've had um, Yorkshires, like the older breeds. Um, I don't mind. I've had some that had a little bit of like old spot in it, but I've never found anybody that had some purebreds that was close enough for me to, 
to buy one and, and to see how that would raise up and how the carcass would be a different from um, what what I'm raising now. I just recently, well, not recently, but now they had their first um, this early spring. Well, and I had one that was in the fall, um, some purebred Berkshires that I went to Connecticut and got, and I crossed with my Yorkshire. And um, so far, um, their piglets are getting almost ready to where they'll be butchered. Um, we can see what the difference is. Um, so I'm hoping to have a little more marbling than what my Yorkshires, even though I was, I've been very happy with them. But anyway, so I've, these girls have, that I got right now, um, we'll see on our second time around, but so far our first time, they were really, they've been really calm moms. Um, they haven't minded too much that I, you know, when I've needed to, to get in there and, and move any babies. Um, and their babies right now, looking as they're growing, look like they're going to, they're going to have the, the muscle tone that I've been trying to achieve. So we won't know that until, of course, the finished product when we see how they um, dress out at the butcher. Yeah, I, I think it, it sounds like the, the kind of, um, the mentality for you behind that, the, behind the, the Pharaoh to finish. And, you know, you're not the only one that does that. I do it too, but right. it sounds like the Pharaoh to finish is important to you because that provides you with the opportunity to really, really hone in on what your product does. Cause I, you know, from kind yes. of the, the standout points, I hear you saying like, I can get this breed or this cross or whatever it might be from another farm that breeds them and has the piglets, but I'm not seeing them from the start to the, to the weaned point. And so kind of seeing how they have grown over that stretch of time matters to you um, to really be able to assess the genetics because the farms that are pumping out feeder piglets to sell are not necessarily looking as particularly at, like you said, the muscle tone and the finished quality of what the, what the marbling right. is and everything. Or they how long want... it takes to get there. Right. They may how just care more about you know, how many, which pig do I have that has the most piglets per litter? Right. Because then I'm like, they're in the business of selling piglets. They're not necessarily right. in the business of selling a high quality food product like you are. You, know. um, you mentioned that you had sheep when you were growing up. Mm -hmm. I want to shift just a little bit and ask you, what is it? Because I mean, I hear you when you said, you know, I am not taking over the sheep. I am not doing this. And, you know, mm -hmm. here you are on a farm out here. So why is it that you in particular actually do farm? Well, you know, um, there's just something about it. Like when you're farming. Okay. So I worked in the corporate world for a while because I really thought that's what I wanted to do. Did I made more money? Absolutely. Um, but there was still a lot of stresses. And at the end of the day, those stresses where somebody's putting deadlines and stuff on you, it was like, these truly aren't life and death reasons. And now once you, when you've been farming, you know what life and death are, why you have to bring in that piglet or that baby lamb that its mom's not being attentive to, or it's kind of cold and it's wet and you need to bring it in and you're going to get it up every couple hours and you're going to go feed it again. And you're going to make sure it's warm and dry. That is life and death that matters that, you know, that truly matters to that animal. I, I didn't have the passion, you know, in the corporate world where deadlines and things and everybody's all upset about something. And it was just like, really at the end of the day, does it, 
does it make a difference to the world? The world still goes on, doesn't it? I mean, granted, if my lamb or my or the piglet, you know, dies, everybody else in the world still goes on. But it's not really a job per se. It's not nine to five. Um, am I passionate about it? Yes, I am. It's the way of life. I wanted it to be my way of life. And I grew up in a very small town. Our population was 300 people. And I think it's oh that on the side. Yeah, so it was a very small farming town. And I really thought I wanted more than that or something different. I needed to see the world. So I did. I mean, I was 18 and I went to um, Pomona, which is down in Southern California by LA. That's where I went to college and um, was, and I was very much into horses and stuff. And um, so I was still taking, and I was an animal science degree. I, so I was still very much animal science, but I was hoping more than sheep herding, shepherding sheep. You know, um, I spent many a day as because we had so many, you would have to put them, you know, to a different field or something. And it wouldn't necessarily be fenced. So somebody's got to stay out to make sure they stay where they're supposed to stay. And um, so books <laughs> too, and I'd be out there having to do that on a weekend or, or walk them from one farm, um, our main farm, where um, we would have them in the wintertime for them to lamb and stuff that there was a barn. I can remember having to, we had to walk them there. There was just, you just, it would take him too long with trailers. So my dad was like, dogs, and I'll check on you. And you just need to go this route. And it was 10 miles and I walked him. That, and he would come and check on me and see where I was at progressing and making sure. And luckily there was ditches on both sides. So pretty much the sheep just walked down the road. And as just as a kid, I was just like, I don't want to do this. But, um, and the funny thing is, is all before age, I wanted to um, have a pig. My dad was absolutely adamant that there was no pigs to be on the farm. Well, I didn't find out after my dad passed away, his sister tells me, she goes, I don't know why he was so adamant about it. She goes, when we were growing up, we had pigs. And I'm like, if I had known that he had had pigs, that his father had raised pigs, I never would have let it go. But in the same time, um, one of the things he would tell me was that he was like, we don't, the fencing, we don't have the right fencing for pigs. And as I've had pigs, I do understand what he means. <laughs> the fencing is everything. It really is. <laughs> yeah. But then as I got older too, you know, as you asked, as I was in corporate world, I was like, you know, does this really, you know, does it making any difference anywhere um hopefully as with what i'm raising now and what i'm doing now hopefully it makes a difference to somebody i talk to people that some are having you know health issues so they're trying to eat better and i hope that what i am producing for them it, it does help them i know i feel that we eat better um we know what went into our meat you know and then you know i don't have a gardener most of the time because again um, you got to have time to, to also go weed it and, and do all that. But we have friends that, you know, other farms that gardens and, um, and have beautiful produce and stuff that's grown organically. So, and being in that one, when you're in farming, you, then you start knowing other people that are farming. So what you don't produce, you can find from somebody else who does produce, you know? So mm -hmm. I feel we end up overall that we're eating healthier than we would if we had say corporate jobs and we just stopped at 
BJ's or Walmart and bought our food and went home. Um, right. You know, and, and I hope that what we're producing, um, that people are healthier because of it. And to answer your question, I know I've probably kind of gone around here with, I, I've tried the other lifestyle and, and I was just missing something in my life that money wasn't going to do, you know, I mean, money. Absolutely. <laughs> some days I, some days I do like, you know, those paychecks were very nice. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Some I, but I wasn't, I wasn't happy. I just wasn't happy. No, that makes sense. I think that's a, a pretty, mm -hmm. um, what do you want to call it? Like a pretty common personality trait of, of most of the farmers I met is just like, there is something outside of this natural world. Like when you get too far from it, that you just don't you yeah, know, belong. You, yourself, you yeah. know, you have to get back to it. I love the, the kind of the background you painted for us as far as kind of where you came from and I'll say how you got back to it and kind of where you're going now, your trajectory with everything so I want to switch gears just a little bit to get into, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, the, the the queen side of this, right? And of course, we need you to tell us how it felt to be honored as the farm queen this week. Wow. Well, that was, I was very um, surprised when my friend Kelly um, asked me about it and told me what she wanted to do. Um because I never thought I feel like I'm still such a work in progress on this. I'm like, I don't feel like a queen is supposed to like have it all honed in and everything running smoothly. And I feel like some days I'm, I, most days I'm anything but that. Um, so I was very honored, very humbled um, to do, um, to be awarded this, uh, this recognition. It was just, um, yeah, it was, um, I was just really surprised by it. I, you know, personally, obviously I'm biased because I'm on the team, but um, yeah. I think that's part of the beauty of the project is that, you know, it's not, it's not like, oh, here's a list of people, let's work through them. It's that, you know, it's, it's essentially your peers recognizing you for what you're yeah, doing. That, that thinking that you're doing something well and you know, and most of the time, because most of us are on our farms alone and all we, you know, sometimes you get focused too much on all the stuff you really screwed up or, you know, you want this way, but it's not. And it's nice that other people don't, you know, they see what you did do well that we don't always credit ourselves for. Mm -hmm. Well said. Um, so as far as, uh, you know, women in agriculture go, since we obviously are kind of a, a unique little group, mm -hmm. what have you, what have you come across, um, whether it's as a woman in agriculture or about women in agriculture that you feel is a fairly common misconception? I, so this is one that, um, well, and Kelly and I, um, Kelly, who nominated me, uh, we've talked about this one before, is being at a farmer's market, usually it's um, some gentleman comes up and assumes that, 
oh, this is what you do for your husband to help him. Mm. And that's sometimes that really irks me most of the time. Um, because, you know, I, I am, I don't have a husband. I do have a fiance now, but, um, this is my business. And this is, was mine before I met him. And luckily he, at least when I desperately need help, when I need help, he will help me, um, on some things, but I am not going to the farmer's market to help his business. I am doing that because it's, it's how I pay my bills and how I will get through life, you know? Um, so they just assume, even though, you know, that we're just married and we're just, and then we go home and cook dinner, you know, for our husband. You're just no. doing this while your kids are at soccer practice or something and exactly. you know, you'll leave at noon and go get them. and Right. And they just, yeah. And, and I probably get that once a week, you know, wow. and it's like, no, you know, um, you know, so, and when I was married before he he went in no part of this, no part of this at all, which is hence why we are, why I'm not married anymore. <laughs> I think we mentioned that earlier, that package deal concept of like taking a living. Right. Like I supported what you wanted to do and you need to support what I want to do. So, um, luckily, um, the man I, that I'm with now, um, he does support. Um, but again, you know, I know that he has his own work to do. Like, I don't expect him to do it. And then, oh, I'll just go to market and I'll, I'll sell the product. Mm -hmm. I, no, no. Like, I'm, I take care of my, my own animals. I, you know, I do what I need to do and stuff. So that's, that's my biggest. I always find, I always laugh when, and then they always think, think I'm joking and they're like well what do you, you can't possibly do this yourself and I'm like mm, yeah I can I have I've been um I forgot to tell myself that I couldn't do it I just did it that sounds like you're you're almost starting to sneak into I'm I've got my suspicions of what your next answer is going to be when I ask you what is something that you wish your customers knew about the life of a farm woman <laughs> that we have to do all the hard stuff too. You know, we have to find it. And then at the same time, you're also still supposed to, um, you know, and it, you can't be afraid to, if you want to be a farmer, I don't care whether it be livestock or produce or anything. If you truly want to call yourself a farmer, then you be afraid to mess up your manicure and get dirty. And, you know, cause all that washes off and hopefully you can find some time at some point to, if you want to dress up and be able to go out somewhere and look like a lady, you can, but, um, you, you have to love, you have to be okay. Don't, don't be too squeamish. Women can do it. And I mean, we all have our strengths. And if you happen to have somebody partner and support you, hopefully they'll have what you're weak at. They'll be strong at doing and, and be willing to help you, um, to do it. Or you, you know, you help each other. If it, 
if you can find somebody that it with, that would be awesome. Um, and even if you're single, it can be done. And you know what? Your your best allies will be other farmers that will, um, when you need some help, will come over and help you. Because they will. Most will. You know, you're going to have to return the favor, and that's okay. That's what it's, you know. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, it can be done. You will definitely, you know, and I think even if it's a, if it's a, if it were a man farming on their own too, they're going to have their weak spots too. And you, you have to overcome, I think. Um, but as women, I think we're, um, I probably, you know, bring in more stuff than if, um, if my man was to, uh, if I was to ask his opinion, he might be like, Oh, it's fine. It's fine. You know, but I'll bring it in anyway. And, um, and then of course we have, you know, a pig living in the house and, who actually still would like to live in the house, but <laughs> he is so far. Um, it's been, I think a month now I've gotten him to stay sleeping at the barn. So, so that's good. Um, but we're, I think we're more nurturing. So in some ways when it comes to animal care, how I want to go is that our natural instincts sometimes kick in for that. And I think it, it is helpful. Um, you know, my, um, and and sometimes I should probably cut my losses on, on some of that before, but I don't. I just, I have to go to the very end. Um, if I can save something, I, you know, I'm going to do my best to try to save it. Where I know some people, if you have a more practical business mindset, would say you cut your losses, you know. Speaking of, you know, doing it alone, getting support, all of that. Um, where is the mm -hmm. best place for people to find you and follow along and kind of get to know your farm better? They can find, um, they can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram, it's uh, Slate Creek Hens because Slate Creek Farm was all taken. And the oh, reason I went okay. with that was kind of, I don't know, somehow that's, that was kind of how it started. We got the, when I got the piece of land and moved here, the, the chickens and the ducks were the first thing that we got before we got to the pigs and <laughs> before I got that. And, um, you know, so that's, um, so anyway, so it's Slate Creek Hens on Instagram and Facebook is Slate Creek Farm. And you want to look, it'll say Remsen, New York, so that you get to the right one. Right. Cause there's so definitely a few of them on here. So, so make sure you look. Yeah. There's. Yeah, there's another one. Um, and then, of course, you can through my website. Um, that's mostly just for ordering, but you can um, email me. if you, And um, I try to every so often send out a newsletter, of, you know, what's going on. I'm not really great about doing that. But if you send me an email, I will respond. I do try to keep up on my emails. So the website, if you wanted to, is Slate Creek Farm ny.com and that is still a work in progress so i think uh i think with farm life everything is always a, a work in progress <laughs> whether it's online or offline or it's like always it something be, but i think the learning curve when it comes to technology but at least you can order 
what would you say to women that want to get into farming? Yeah, for women that are looking to do it, um, if you've never farmed, you're, you, yeah, it's it's a learning curve. But I mean, even though I grew up with livestock, you know, raising, and I mean, many because we had so many breeding times that we had lambs in the house. I mean, there would always be bummer lambs, and um, you know, you knew like there was two o'clock feedings and there was 4 a.m. feedings and all, you know, until they got to where they didn't need it, you know, around the clock. Um, that was just part of life. Um, but even though growing up that way, I guess what I want to say is it's still a learning curve when you, when you have livestock. I mean, anytime I have to call the vet or something, I learned something else that I should have caught already earlier, you know, or, um, could have done differently and maybe, um, had a better, a little better outcome but it's um we're all still learning i don't care how long you've been doing it if you say that you can't assume that you know everything you just can't because there's always something new coming around the bend on that right right and probably um again some of your best um really are, are if you have neighboring farmers that are doing something similar that helps because you can at least have somebody to talk to to bounce some ideas off of um, or what they what you're seeing if have they seen that before to maybe help you but um, at least in our community I would say the farms around they are willing to help each other you know, every, everybody is and, and that's that's um, that's a really nice feeling knowing that you have that, you know, that right. support. Right. And so, and I've had that in, in, you know, you know, many times. Um, so it's been, it's been really nice, really nice. And, um, but anyway, I, I guess kind of going back to it, I, for women that are looking to get into it, like, you know, or, young you know don't be afraid you know try you know start small start with start with that little flock of chickens and see what you think and um that's kind of the game those are pretty of getting into it and then you know and and you'll find that you either love it or you don't if you don't feel it's your forte then you don't you're never going to get bigger than your your small flock of chickens and for people that are you know homesteading that just want to have you know just do enough to to feed your family if you have small kids it's a great thing they see how life starts and they can see how precious it is thanks for listening today if you enjoyed this episode you can support our podcast by clicking the link in the description by subscribing through your favorite podcast app and by following us on your favorite social media platform